Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. What we do here on the show is try to keep you ahead of the curve in Bitcoin, offer you some insights that you don't get other places, especially in the topic we're going to be covering today, which is inflationist dogma. <laughs> uh, I think I might be the only deflationist in Bitcoin. Of course, there's the famous Jeff Booth, who is arguing for a deflation but he's arguing from a different side that I don't agree with. <laughs> so we differ on uh, how we are going to get deflation, but we do both. Uh, we, we are sitting in the deflationist camp together. So I think it's very important that uh, I continue to do this because you, you're not getting this content from other places. You're getting a lot of inflationist dogma. Oh, the Fed is printing money. A dollar is going to hyperinflate. All right. That is, in my opinion, not at all what's going to happen. That's not what we're seeing out there. And so this is the one place that I think you can get this type of analysis. Of course, I do FedWatch uh, with Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, so you get your dose there as well. But mainly we just talk about uh, Fed policy and, and things like that. So today I'm going to try to go against the inflationist dogma. And we're going to listen to a little bit of a audio Mises wire. If you guys are familiar with the Mises Institute, a lot of Bitcoiners are Austrian economists or sound money people. And the some of the main uh, economic thinkers in Bitcoin, uh, say Fadina Moose, of course, Pierre Richard, Michael Bitstein, and some others. Uh, but this is uh, this is also where I came from. Okay, I was a gold bug for a long time. I was introduced to Mises and Rothbard and Hayek back in high school. So I have been a Austrian for a very long time, then gold bug for 15 to 20 years. Um, and then I found Bitcoin and now I'm a, a Bitcoiner. So, and uh, in the very recent past, the last few years, I've discovered that the inflationist dogma from the Austrian school is not correct. They haven't updated with the current data. And that's one reason why I like Jeff Schneider, because he is an Austrian, but I don't know if he would ever say that, but he is an Austrian. He believes in a lot of this uh, free market stuff, um, but he also is extremely uh, well-versed in the data. What is actually going on? What do we know about the current financial system? Because there is a lot of shadow banking going on. You know, and I think he rightfully places the emphasis on saying that central banks are central. There's a lot of uh, dogma going on with just people hating central banks and things. There's they're very uh, they're important from a confidence perspective, but not from a a functioning perspective of the financial system. So I think that's very important. Yeah, let's just get into this, and then I will try to break it down a little bit more. This episode of Bitcoin and Markets is brought to you by the Bitcoin Dictionary at BitcoinDictionary.cc. It's a shortcut to learning years of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency knowledge in 90 easy-to-read pages. This book can be used as a beginner's guide, but is also a mandatory addition to any growing Bitcoin library. Also, by our members over at bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash membership. Become a member today and get two member posts a week 
One is the Bitcoin Pulse, a newsletter focused on Bitcoin price action. And the other is a aggregation of headlines, Bitcoin headlines that mattered that week. So become a member today and support quality Bitcoin content that has never sold you a scam or an ICO or anything like that. Go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash membership. All right, let's get going. This is a audio Mises wire. It's called Central Banks Put Wind at Bitcoin's Back. It was just released a couple days ago. Of course, I'll link to it down in the show notes. I'm using this under fair use. Everybody's learning here. We're using this for educational purposes. Uh, it was written by Doug French. He is the former president of the Mises Institute and author of the of early speculative bubbles. So he should know this inside and out, right? Okay, let's go. Hack by Doug French. An audio Mises wire narrated by Million Quinteros. Russia, Russia, Russia. The current president used to sarcastically chastise opponents for wondering about 2016 election tinkering from Putin's principality. Recent MAGA rallies featured COVID, 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 with President Trump complaining that the press could think of nothing else. In investment land, it's Bitcoin, 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 again knocking on dollar door number 20,000. Maybe in the hard money circles, this is true, but this isn't true in most circles. Once again, if you look at Google Trends, retail investors aren't really into this bubble yet. There's not a lot of talk. There is um, billionaires, you know, talking about Bitcoin and investing in Bitcoin large. Um, there has been, of course, MicroStrategy. There has been uh, Real Vision has talked about Bitcoin. Um, I've talked about both those on my podcast here in the past. We've had Mass Mutual, which I haven't talked about on the podcast, but I did write about it in my newsletters. Mass Mutual is a 170-year-old insurance company out of Massachusetts, and uh, they recently said they bought $100 million worth of Bitcoin, and they're going to be looking at buying more. So yeah, there is some talk out there, but it's not all Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. That is not what brought us to 20000 again. So maybe just in, again, in these circles, in sound money circles, there's a lot of talk about Bitcoin versus gold. And so that might be what they're seeing and feeling. Were adventured in late 2017. Bloomberg's November 21st edition features this flashy headline sure to inspire FOMO or fear of missing out. The predecessor of the more quaint Keynesian animal spirits. Bitcoin revival unleashes animal spirits in $300,000 forecast. Imagine if I could retrieve the Bitcoin I lost years ago when my phone went dark. Considering 2017, David Grinder, Fundstrat Global Advisors Head of Digital Asset Strategy, told Bloomberg, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. The audience is bigger. The market is bigger. It's a little more institutionalized. You have different fields of capital coming in. That's very sober analysis. I, I agree with that. There's different types of uh, money coming in now, like I just detailed. And what's interesting to think about, too, is how altcoins play into this. So altcoins are extremely retail driven because, you know, like Michael Saylor with MicroStrategy, he is not buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of altcoins. He's buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Uh, Mass Mutual is buying Bitcoin. So these big money people are buying Bitcoin. They're not buying uh, 
altcoins like retail people would because retail people are more into the get rich quick, you know, buying something that's going to pump. If you look at the charts, you know, they have like Ripple, for example. If you look at Ripple's chart, I think 90% of all of its gains or even 99% of all of its gains uh, come in just a few weeks. Same with same with Ethereum. Um, if you look at Ethereum's chart, uh, especially the Ethereum Bitcoin chart, so measured in Bitcoin, most of all of Ethereum's gains have come in like maybe six weeks out of the five, six years that it's been around. So, uh, you know, this is a retail pump and dump phenomenon uh, that is trying to make money. It's not a thing about changing the world or creating a new money. It's about making money. And so um, right now we're not seeing the retail investors coming in. We're seeing a shift in the investor type of demographics that we have here. So, yeah, I, I agree with this part of the Mises Wire. Billionaire investor Mike Novogratz says he sees tons of new buyers amid little supply. Adding little actual weight to the new buyer tons is none other than five foot one inch Game of Thrones star Maisie Williams, who began portraying Arya Stark when she was but 14 years old. Williams, not savvy in the ways of finance, but with likely plenty of money to experiment with, asked her 2.7 million Twitter followers for advice, and it was a resounding go for it. Bloomberg reports. I didn't hear that story. That's interesting. That's another example. We have football stars. We have rappers. We have movie stars. I mean, what's his name? Uh, Kusher. Kusher. Uh, the guy from the 70s show. What's his name? Mary Demi Moore. Um, that guy. He was a big time Bitcoiner early on. Early on, he, he bought in. So, yeah, there's a lot of famous people out there that are buying into this. But the innuendo is that these type of investors are not the type of investors that you want. But look, Bitcoin has broad appeal. That is the bottom line. It appeals to Michael Saylor, a billionaire previously to Bitcoin. Uh, it appeals to Paul Tudor Jones. And it appeals to this uh, Maisie girl actress. So there's all swaths of people. It has a very, very broad appeal to everybody. And people are going to get it. Bitcoin changes you more than you change it. So even if you don't understand it at the beginning, slowly but surely, you will learn the ways. And hopefully, you will <laughs> hopefully they'll learn the ways of the Austrian school if you can seize the moment, Austrians. Let's go. He is now an owner, or hodler, as they say in Cryptoland. As owner, hoarder, hodler. Hodler is more like a hoarder not an owner. For the little supply, Almost Daily Grants explains. Chinese Bitcoin miners who make up 72% of the blockchain's computing power have been unable to sell cryptos for the RMB needed to pay for electricity. Um, I don't think it's 72%. There's a lot of confusion about this, about Chinese mining and how much is in China. Um, I believe it's around 50%, maybe even less. Uh, but it does get confusing because uh, the way Bitcoin mining happens is they have uh, what are called pools. So if you have a couple mining rigs in your house or um, you have a small mining rig company, say, 
you uh, rent out some space on some racks somewhere and you run Bitcoin miners in, in a relatively small operation, you can plug into what's called a Bitcoin pool where all of those people pool their resources and try to mine together. That will decrease your variance, right? So if you have um, one one millionth of the hash rate, you will only find one block every millionth block. And, and probably not that even because you uh, by the time that millionth block comes around, uh, you, you're going to be a tinier portion of the hash rate because people keep adding hash rate. So um, to decrease your variance and to increase your chance of getting paid, uh, then what people do is they pool their resources and they join a pool that has roughly 20%, say 10 to 20% of the hash rate. And then they're getting every 10th block uh, instead of every 1 millionth block. And then they distribute that according to how much hash rate that you are um, providing to the pool. Now, those pools are headquartered in China, but that doesn't mean that all their hash rate is in China, right? It could be that there is Mongolian hash rate, there is Russian hash rate, there is other hash rate, and they're joining these pools that are headquartered in China. And depending on how you count it, it could be that they count that as Chinese hash rate when it's not. So I don't necessarily believe that so much. I think the Chinese dominance has waned. Um, I know the U.S. and Russia in particular, both of those countries, are adding a lot of hash rate. There's constant stories about U.S. adding hash rate, and I've written about this in my newsletters. There's uh, constant stories about this. So um, I think the U.S. is probably sitting about 10 to 20 percent. Russia, probably about 10 percent. Uh, the Republic of Georgia, probably about 10 percent. Uh, you have Mongolia, probably about 10 percent. And then, you know, China is a big one, but there's all sorts of other hash rate around the world, too, not just those big countries. So there's other countries that might have one to two, three percent. So, um, yeah, China's dominance is waning in this regard. But that that is an interesting story. I didn't hear that about the not being able to sell for RMB. What I'll do is I'll uh, Google it and then at the end, maybe I'll talk about it. Okay, let's go. The reason being that the Chinese government is not hip to private miners elbowing into the government's money-making monopoly. Regulators in the Middle Kingdom have ordered banks to freeze accounts associated with cryptos, Coindesk reported on Monday, writes Philip Grant. Case well, it's not just that either. It's that they are the most authoritarian. So when there is problem or when there, there is some issue, uh, the Chinese, they look to an authoritarian solution immediately. And they are the most willing to have an authoritarian solution. Where other countries that are a little bit more free, they might look to benefit from it somehow or leverage it or... Uh, do something else, right? Or even let it be free. Imagine some country saying that people should be free to to mine Bitcoin. So no, it's not. It's not only that that's a government monopoly. It's that they see it as an issue, and they are authoritarian bullies, and so they will clamp down. They're the first ones to clamp down on it. So anyway, continue. The Wagner ads. The most bullish mainstream projections are those that see Bitcoin reaching $100,000 or higher. Tom Fitzpatrick, a strategist at Citigroup Inc., made a splash this month when he said the crypto could potentially reach as high as $318,000. 
yeah, I mean, those are not very bullish predictions <laughs> from where I sit. You know, Bitcoin is destined to be a million dollars or more. Uh, and so I would say it's 50 50, whether it gets to a million, it's either a million or zero. I don't think it's going to stop at a hundred thousand or 300,000. That's just not big enough. It needs to be bigger, right? To, to change the world. And there's no reason for it to stop at a hundred or 300,000. So its job is not done. If it can get to 300,000, it can get to a million. And, you know, that's just, that's just a triple away. Uh, and Bitcoin likes to do doubles and triples all the time. So we, there is no ceiling. Okay, let's continue. This is only a five-minute, six-minute piece. But Bitcoins and tripwires seem to go together. For instance, Grants cites a June 2018 paper from University of Texas Austin professors John Griffin and Amin Shams, who wrote, Overall, our findings provide substantial support for the view that price manipulation may be behind substantial distortive effects in cryptocurrencies. More generally, our findings support the historical narrative that dubious activities are not just a byproduct of price appreciation, but can substantially contribute to price distortions and capital misallocation. ADG also mentions Tether, so-called stablecoin, which Grants says is something of a crypto grand central station, with $57 billion in trading volume over the past 24 hours. For context, Bitcoin... Okay, there's manipulation in every market. Uh, people like to talk about this in Bitcoin specifically, but... Um, there is manipulation in every every single price. And a lot of people have talked about gold this way too, that gold is the victim of manipulation as well, paper distortions. Uh, Bitcoin, is it more manipulated than anything else? Is it less manipulated than other things? Um, you know, being a small market, of course, it's going to be more manipulated than uh, larger markets. But in as Bitcoin grows, is that manipulation going down or up? Uh, how about now? How about at $300, $400 billion market cap, the manipulation is going to be much, much less. Uh, but I do think that Bitcoin can be manipulated, of course. that That's not uh, like a aha moment or a got you or anything. Bitcoin is just like everything else. What I think is manipulation is when the price is stable uh, because that's when whales are trying to uh, force the price into their bids and or other ways around, maybe force the price uh, into their cells. So yeah, there's different ways to look at it, but you don't want to be um, saying that Bitcoin is more manipulated than other things because there's a lot of factors that go into that. Which boasts a total stock nearly 20 times higher at $343 billion, has seen just $36 billion in trading volume over that period. Stablecoin has its own legal troubles, as ADG explains, Tether, including a class action suit last year accusing Tether and Bitfinex of undertaking a sophisticated scheme to fraudulently inflate the price of crypto commodities, including Bitcoin. Okay, this this has been debunked so many times. Um, I've debunked it many times on my show and other places that I write content. If you're Tether and you have billions of dollars in a bank account, and you know the government's going to be going after you. Just look at eGold or look at any of these other types of uh, people that are trying to do things that are skirting the regulations, bending the rules. 
they know that they can get taken down. So what do they do? They have to have secret bank accounts. Another thing is what is easier to move around? A billion dollars or a billion dollars worth of bonds, right? And so if you are Tether and now you have $20 billion worth of Tether, you, you have dollar assets to back that up, cash equivalents. But I would expect them to have 75% of their reserves in more easily movable things like U.S. Treasuries. So it makes total sense because they are skirting and bending the rules. This has been debunked many times. The class action litigants accused Tether, the entity, of issuing some $3 billion worth of tokens without any dollar backing. A move which allegedly played a key role in skyrocketing crypto prices during late 2017. Unbacked currency? Only governments can do that. Grants also mentions that New York State Attorney General Letitia James filed an April 2019 lawsuit accusing Tether and closely affiliated crypto exchange Bitfinex of improperly commingling funds under the broad Martin Act. I don't know where this case has gone, but um, it hasn't gone anywhere fast. Uh, I think Tether, I think he says here, he gives an update here in a second, um, that Tether is trying to comply, but there's some things that they just cannot comply. And it's dubious whether the New York Attorney General even has jurisdiction because they don't deal with Americans. So uh, it's an interesting case. And I think Tether is going to be able to stiff arm it and they might even be able to settle. They, there won't be any like real bad consequences from this, I don't think. Then in September, demanding documents related to the disappearance of $850 million in customer funds there to is. Panama domiciled crypto capital. That, that was it. Tether's attorney insists that complying with Attorney General James's request is impossible. Meanwhile, Edward Moya, a senior market analyst at Oanda, has doubts about the rally's resilience, pointing to the last time crypto fans overestimated a Bitcoin rally. Today's outlandish claims seem primarily based on momentum mania, he said. I doubt institutional traders will allow Bitcoin to only go in one direction. Yeah, that's an important point. Um, there's going to be manipulation, of course, like I said earlier. But overestimating, outlandish, I mean, those are, those are not neutral terms. Those are biased terms. Bitcoin has proven over and over again. Yes, it had a, uh, the last time it got to 20,000, it had a blow off top. Well, that's because it was coming from 1,000 or 200, right, <laughs> in 2015. So yeah, it had a blow off top at 20,000, then it took a while to get back up here, but the direction is intact. The trend is intact. That it goes through these cycles that are, is built off of the issuance cycle that is natural in Bitcoin. And there it's not outlandish. It's not outlandish. It is extending the trend. So just draw a line from way early in the chart and put it on a log scale because then you can get a straight line. And you draw the straight line up. Where does it go? The trend is intact. Grants puts its finger on the reason for the rally, plain old human error. Oh, the God. Financial Times editorialized. 
It may be precisely because the Federal Reserve has done such a good job of meeting the world's need for dollars that investors feel comfortable taking a punt on Bitcoin and venturing away from the comparative stability of fiat currency. If so, cryptocurrency advocates have the central bank to thank for their recent success. The central banks can be thanked for all bubbles. Okay, that's it. Um, oh man, just inflationist dogma. The central bank is not central people. They don't print money. <laughs> At the end there is pretty much what I want to address is my main point on listening to this is the, the whole article is an example of inflationist thinking. It's also very snide commentary on Bitcoin. Look, Bitcoin is the future of the Austrian School of Economics. It's the future of money. And they should get on board with it. They don't have to, of course. They're free to do what they want. But being closed-minded is not going to make it go away. It's coming. And so I'm, this is a call to all free-thinking Austrians to start producing like academic stuff on Bitcoin because it's needed. It's coming. This is your time to become the main school of economic thought through your attachment to Bitcoin because Bitcoin is going to dominate. I want the Austrian school to succeed because I think it has the best ideas. But right now it's captured in this inflationist dogma and they need to break out of that as soon as they can. So central banks are not central. Central banks don't print money. They print reserves. We can go over this again and again. But look at, I mean, look at the price of gold. Currently, as I'm recording this, it's below its all, all 2011 all-time high. And it's 2020, and it's not going to pass that all-time high again before the end of the year. So it's going to be 2021, 10 years later, and it's still below its 2011 all-time high. Yes, it did break it and come back a little bit. Very similar to how it acted in 2008. So all this printing that was done from 2011 to 2021 has not affected the price of gold. Is that what they're trying to say? This is, they're stuck in an inflationist dogma. There is, there's some money creation, but there's not net money creation. When interest rates go down, Lenders make their lending standards more strict, which limits who can qualify for loans. And the best loans are collateralized loans. So even if you have a uh, 50 basis point interest rate, if it's collateralized, okay, because that asset itself will probably go up in value during the time of that loan, right? So they're fine doing that. That explains a lot of the real estate market. That explains a lot of uh, the stock market explains a lot of things. Why we see price, certain prices going up. Because that is where the money creation is happening. The money creation happens in loan, the process of a loan. If you don't have a loan, then there is no money creation happening. That's how this system works. And that's how the, I learned it from the Austrian school. Fractional reserve banking. Money is created in the loan process. It is not created by QE. Okay, QE, they do create something to do QE, but it's it's called reserves. It's not money. You can't buy a sandwich with reserves. You can buy a sandwich with dollars, with money. It's non-fungible. Well, they're creating a non-fungible asset that is denominated in dollars. 
There is still money creation happening. It's just not happening the way they think. So see, it's a net process. And globally, if you take this example, the entire world is slowing down. It's contracting right now in front of your eyes. There is no inflation. There's more credit destruction than credit creation happening. We need to snap out of this inflationist dogma and (laughs) come to the light of the deflationary environment. Anyways, guys, thanks for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support my content, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash membership, $5 a month, and you get a bunch of extra member posts. And uh, I try to give you guys the most value for your $5 that I can. If you are members, thank you very much. Spread the word. I'd like to do this full time. Also, check out the Bitcoin Dictionary at bitcoindictionary.cc. It's a great stocking stuffer for the holidays. All right, we will see you next time.